Hello there, and welcome back to the final podcast of the Impact of 2020 Experiences from Coral Educators. This has been a great experience getting to listen to some of my peers talk about their experience and what it was like to endure a school year that took place during 2020 with all of the things that happened with the civil unrest, the election, and police brutality and everything else. And so after listening to all these choral educators, now it's my turn to share my experience as a choral educator, considering that I started my job three, four months ago. So I took something from each educator that I spoke with. And Melanie, Luke, Laura, Annabelle, and Jessica. All five of them shared great things, but I took one principle that they thought that we should carry forward into the school year or that they thought that helped them and that would be beneficial. And so the first person I wanna talk about is Melanie. Melanie is the first person that went with us and her thing was work-life balance. That is what she wanted to keep working on and carry over into this school year. And I can honestly say that I'm still not the best at it, but I'm working on it. Um, and one of the things that I've been trying to do better is saying no to work. In addition to my full-time choral educator job, I work for Parks and Recreation and I hold multiple positions with them. So I'm an instructor, a camp supervisor. I do the youth after school program. I do sports facilitation. And so I do a variety of roles through Parks and Rec. And so that's four or five different managers I have that can call me outside of school to do something for Parks and Rec. In addition to that, I also work for Bach to Rock, the music school. I used to teach private lessons there, but now that I took on this job, I do more administrative things there, like being an admin assistant or covering different events that we have on the weekend. And so the one thing that I've been able to do with these five part-time jobs I have outside of my full-time job is really learning how to say no. I've really gotten better at saying no and saying, hey, I have something else to do, whether it's working another shift at another job, getting my car fixed, spending time with my family and friends, or really just getting more sleep. I've really just started saying no and not feeling bad about it because yes, I signed up for these jobs, but I also have other commitments to my other jobs and most importantly, a commitment to myself. So I've really, really learned how to say no. And another thing that I would say that work-life balance has kind of taught me or got me into doing is scheduling my free time. So just like I put in that I have work from five to nine, or I have a doctor's appointment, or I have whatever, I've really made a habit of trying to schedule my free time far in advance. So for example, if I know that I wanna to go to this lights festival with my friend, I'm gonna schedule that in advance so I know that that Friday night is for me. That Friday night, I'm gonna have fun with my friends. I'm not gonna work, I'm not gonna do anything else because I have something going on that's gonna make me happy. And so another thing that I've gotten used to doing to balance my life at work and at home is creating my to-do list, but leaving my to-do list at school or leaving things on the list that are supposed to be done tomorrow, that I can get done tomorrow. And a lot of that really comes with prioritizing and really getting to know what's important, what needs to be done today, and what can wait a little longer. Because ultimately, I'm a person, I'm very proactive, and I like to get things done, but Sometimes I'm doing things three weeks earlier than I need to when I can take some free time that I'm going to have two weeks from now to do it. So I've just been better about leaving my to-do list unfinished. Everything doesn't have to be checked off. That's okay. So the second person that I want to talk about is Luke. Luke really brought up a lot about engagement through conversation and building relationships with his students. 
And I think that was something that um, was very evident to me um, this school year, just coming into the school community that I work in. Um, my principal, he champions this book called The Fundamental Five, The Formula for Quality Instruction. It's written by Sean Kane and Mike Laird. And there are five fundamentals that it goes over. Framing the lesson, work in the power zone, frequent small group purposeful talk, recognize and reinforce, and write critically. And another thing, in addition to all these things, is really building those relationships. So even though he loves these five fundamentals, he said number one is building those relationships. So on those first few days of school, that's exactly what I did. We played games name games. We got to know each other. We asked each other about our summers. We like to figure out what we do outside of school, what things we have in common. I really spent that first day getting to know them. I didn't go through the syllabus. I didn't teach them a new song. We just got to know each other fundamentally. And I think that really allowed me to build a relationship with these kids, not only because I'm the new teacher at the school and they've never met me before, but because I'm going to be the person that's there for them, teaching them every day. And so that was very, very important in the beginning. And it was important for me to build that relationship with them. And then it also was very important because it allowed them to build a relationship with each other. My treble chorus was very, very shy when they came in on the first day of school. And I was like, whoa, did I do something wrong? Like what's wrong with these girls? Like, are they like scared of me or something? But it really just was that they didn't know each other and they needed that safe space and that free time to play games and to take walks outside and take a break so that they could interact with each other. Because the better they know each other, the more that they can build relationships and foster trust and the more comfortable they'll feel singing in front of one another and making that mistake from time to time. And then another thing is always having conversation, whether it's specific to what we're learning in class or it's just something fun. So we like to reflect on our concerts. They do written reflections, but we also talk about it out loud. And then this quarter, my principal also had us reflect on how our class is going this year, how quarter one went, considering we hadn't been in school like normal people for two years. So that reflection time and getting them to talk to one another and talk to me about what they like and what they didn't like, being intentional about having those conversations really allowed me to create engagement with them and really allowed me to um, foster the relationships to then later on be able to teach. The thing from Annabelle that I wanna take forward, Annabelle talked a lot about audio and video editing and using Soundtrap and how it was able to help her hear a little bit more of her students individually rather than as an ensemble. And I think this year um, that has been very um, kind of evident to me that People are kind of like shy and they haven't sang in front of people. And so I've kind of gotten in the habit of doing small groups or doing individual things just so that they can get used to it. But when it comes to the technology aspect, I really, really want to use technology this year just to kind of shake things up a bit. Everything doesn't have to be pencil and paper. So one thing I'm doing is my soundtrack class or my music appreciation class is going to be using Soundtrap. And so I'm gonna teach them a little bit about Soundtrap and how to use it. And we're gonna do some projects with it and be able to loop music and create music online rather than just out loud because the class isn't performance-based. So really being able to use that technology in another way, I think will be very beneficial for that group. When it comes to my choirs, um, a website that we use is Sight Reading Factory. And so the students are able to go online, sight read a piece of music and record themselves doing it. And then I can go back and listen to it. 
One, that allows me to listen to the tone quality of their voice and hear really what they sound like, which can kind of influence my decisions about where I place them in the future and whatever the case is. But also, it gives them a chance to sight read on their own outside of class so that the pressure is really on them to be a musician and to learn how to sight read instead of relying on hearing the person next to you sing the notes and then you sing it two milliseconds later and it sounds like you know what you're doing. So I really appreciated Sight Reading Factory and being able to use that technology to teach my kids how to sight read, whether in a group or by themselves. And then the final technology thing that I would say that I would keep would be making practice tracks. I haven't had to do a lot of that because last year I was an elementary teacher and we didn't have concerts, we didn't have a choir. So this year, really making those practice tracks and recording them and putting them online has been something that I've kind of grown to do. It's not my favorite thing to do because I make a million and a half mistakes and have to record the same voice part like 18 times. But that little piece of technology is saving us when it comes to having the students go home and practice because they can't learn everything with me. And so really giving them that outlet at home to go online and use that technology to learn their music has really allowed us to grow and learn our music at a faster pace. So I hope to keep using technology in those ways in the future and finding new technologies that can be beneficial for my choral classes and for my music appreciation class. Laura taught us a little bit about flexibility, um, and I think flexibility was way important during COVID and during 2020, but it's still very important now. And so some things that I've had to deal with this year so far and being flexible with is flexible with using spaces. Sometimes people need to use my classroom because my classroom is pretty big and it has mirrors in it. And so it's a hot commodity around here and people love to use it. So being flexible and being able to do my recording somewhere else or take my class somewhere else while someone uses my room, that's something that I've grown to be flexible about. Also changing concert dates. There was a major conflict with the guitar concert this year. And so now the guitar and choir are getting to do a concert together, which is a great thing because you don't always get to see a variety of ensembles in a concert. And so I think this is a great way to kind of build our program and get the students to have a larger audience that can really appreciate what they've been learning. And then another thing that I'm done that I'm doing and it's a little bit more flexible is having these additional or optional performance opportunities. So obviously we have concerts during the school year that are mandatory and graded, but there are things that we do outside of school. Um, so caroling is something that's coming up because it's the winter season. And so I've made it optional for my students and given them flexible times to come. Like some can come for the first two hours and some can come for the second two hours because not everybody has the same schedule. People have different things to do. So I'm giving this flexibility and making it optional so that students have the opportunity to make more music if they want to, but also they can decide when they want to do it or if they want to do it. And so I think flexibility has been very key this year when it comes to those extracurricular things that kids have to do because we're all human and they have things to do besides choir. And then the last thing I want to take is from Jessica. Jessica spoke a lot about grace, giving ourselves grace, giving our students grace, giving our colleagues grace, parents grace. Everybody deserves a little grace in this time. And I think that's purely because we've been through a lot. This past year has been very devastating to many, and it has been a growing process, a learning process. And I think it's important to remember that grace is essential. Um, people make mistakes. People need that opportunity to grow. And 
um, getting down on someone for doing the wrong thing or not remembering how to line up properly or stand properly or warm up properly or them being so connected to their phone because they were able to use their phone whenever they wanted last year and now they can't use it during class. Like all those things, giving that grace to students so that they know that Yes, we have expectations for them, but yes, we understand where they're coming from and we're going to help them get to that new place. And so because of that, I've been very, very lenient about things. I've been giving alternative audition times and um, really giving out more of my time to make up for the gaps that may be there. Some students may have really spent all of year last year on the computer in the Google Meets with their camera on recording when they needed to. There are lots of kids who did that. There are also lots of kids who didn't. So there are some who are lacking in sight reading as a result. There are some who are lacking in matching pitch or in knowing how to identify a key signature. And so really taking the time and offering my time to help these students, I think, is my way of giving grace because it's like, yes, I understand you can't do this. And yeah, maybe we can't fit all of this into class time, but I will take the time to help you so that you can have a chance at being more successful at what you're doing. And so those five things, I think, were very commonplace between all of those choral educators. And then I also found them to be very relevant for me and very relevant for my students and what we've been doing this year. And so I really hope to be able to take these elements that I've learned from these educators and other things that I learned from educators along the way and incorporated into my class time to give my students a better music education, but to educate them overall in such a way that they feel like they're ready to be a part of society. Even if they aren't a musician and they're a lawyer or a doctor or a police officer or they work in a grocery store or they end up on Capitol Hill, whatever they're doing, I'm hoping that by teaching them these little things, work-life balance, how to use different technologies, how to build relationships with other people, how to give people grace and be flexible, all these life lessons that they can apply to their careers in the future. Through teaching them music, hopefully they'll learn those things and they'll be able to move forward and graduate from this place and be successful in their own unique way. And so I really appreciate all of you listeners out there who were able to take a lesson and hear what these choral educators endured. And I know that many of you are enduring your own things out there and battling different things. And hopefully by listening to them and listening to me and my experiences, you can gain something from it that'll help you to be a better educator, a better musician, or a better human being on this planet. Thank you and have a good night.